Hey, if you have your Bibles today, I'd like you to turn to me, if, if you would, to one of the shorter books in the New Testament, the book of Jude. The Lord's brother was writing a powerful book, and at the end of it, one of the most famous doxologies that point people to Jesus that's ever been written. And this is what Jude wrote as we come to the table today, remembering the difference that Jesus makes. In verse 24, he said, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we're here to honor you. It isn't about what we want in life, it's what you want. It's not about our will being done, it's about your will being done. It's not about us being at the center, it's about you being at the center. And it's not our own works, our own goodness, our own religion, our own efforts by which we're saved. It's by your mercy. And as we come to this table today, we're reminded that by the body and the blood of Jesus, we have been brought near. And I'm praying today, God, as we open this word, that you will speak to us. And that somehow, in this simple remembrance, you will be honored. You will be glorified. And we will be changed. And we'll thank you, God, for all that you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, humanity, mankind, for all of its ability and all of its wisdom, is rather one-dimensional, rather fragile, rather limited. For example, man cannot fly without the help of planes or a helicopter or a glider. Man cannot fly. Birds can walk and they can fly, but man cannot fly. Man cannot live in water. We can swim short distances. Don't try swimming to Hawaii. We can travel over water or through water by boat or submersible, but we cannot long survive in water. Whales and seals and fish can survive in water, but man cannot. And man cannot live in the highest heights or the deepest depths. The air is too thin or the pressure is too great. Temperature is too cold. Mountain goats can live in the highest heights, and there are sea creatures that can live in the pressures of the depths. But mankind cannot live there. You see, we're really quite limited one-dimensional, restricted to a narrow range of Earth's habitats. And if we want to go out of that narrow range in which we can survive, we need help. We need equipment. We need something else or we can't survive. That's especially true for any human being who expects to depart planet Earth and go to live with God someday in his heaven. We are extremely limited. In fact, we can't do anything to make that happen. What we need is big-time help. We need a savior. We need an ark. We need a sacrifice. We need a redeemer. Which is why the Lord's brother Jude points people to Jesus, the only one who can make that difference for you and me. That's why he said, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. 
To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. This is the Jesus we're remembering today in communion. Communion is our remembrance of the death of Jesus and the big-time help that was provided in that death. We have been reminded many times that eating this meal is a memorial. Do this, Jesus said, as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. Eating this won't make you a Christian. This will not get your sins forgiven. It won't earn you any grace. It won't get you into heaven. If you don't remember anything else from today, then remember this. The only way we can be saved from what sin has done to separate us from God is by entering into a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. By acceptance of his death on the cross as sufficient payment for our sin. That having made that payment, he was buried in a tomb. And that three days later, he rose again victorious, conquering sin, death, and the grave for us, and he's now alive, offering hope, forgiveness, and eternal life to those who will believe and receive him. Eating this meal, being religious, and all the other things we try will not save us. But eating this meal, as Jesus intended, will help us to remember the difference that Jesus makes in the lives of all of us who believe. Which is why Jude's doxology is so remarkable and must never be taken for granted. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be majesty, glory, power, authority before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Communion reminds us of the death of Jesus and the difference he makes in us when we believe. What is that difference? That we who were once forbidden can now come into God's glorious presence with joy. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. I mentioned before, each year, the last few years, my son Tyler and I have been able to go to Seattle to take in a Seahawk football game. Compliments of my former roommate and best man, Sherman, is one of their coaches. Now, after the game, we meet them down in the player area. Now, it wasn't always, this, always that way. I've been to games there before when Sherman wasn't there and I didn't know anybody. And I can assure you, you don't get anywhere near the player area. The only way you can get back in there through security is you have to have a special armband that the player or coach will give you. And then when you approach, they screen that and then they wand you down to make sure that you're not carrying anything and then you're allowed in. And when we go in there, we wait for the players and coaches to come out. We wait for Sherman. Now beyond that player waiting area, there's another secure area where the players park their cars. And I can assure you, you don't get back there without somebody being with you. In fact, the last time we went, I went to dinner with Sherman. I was riding with him in his car. He met us out there. We chatted for a few minutes. And then we started walking through this other secure area where the cars are parked. Nobody said a word to me. Nobody stopped me. Nobody asked for an armband. Nobody wanted me. Nobody did anything. 
because I was walking through with him. That's the difference a player or coach can make in the stadium at Seattle. Someday, I'm going to walk into God's throne room and into his glorious presence. And none of the angels or any of the saints are going to try to stop me. No one's going to ask me for an identity. No one's going to wand me down. Because I'm walking in with Jesus. And that's the difference he makes in the kingdom of heaven. That's why Jude wrote like he did with such confidence. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. One God, one way. We come to God through Jesus, Jude said, or we don't come at all. And notice, Jude isn't taking any comfort from being Jesus' brother. Remember, after the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph went on to have other sons. They went on to have daughters. Jude was one of them. Can you imagine growing up in a household with Jesus as your oldest brother? His own brothers didn't believe in Jesus before the cross. But after the cross, death, and resurrection of Jesus, Jude became a believer, an ardent believer, a leader in the church, a writer of this letter. And you'll notice when Jude writes... He's not taking any confidence in the fact that Jesus was his brother. His confidence is coming from knowing Jesus Christ as God, Savior, and Lord. There are no brownie points at being Jesus' earthly brother. Jude had to be saved from his sin and separation from God like everyone else. The same way Joseph would have had to been saved. Mary would have had to been saved. Any of his brothers or sisters... They come to God through faith in Jesus Christ as God, Lord, and Savior, or they don't come at all. You see, without Jesus, all of humanity is born separated from God because of sin. And without Jesus, they'll be separated from God forever. You remember when the Apostle Paul was writing to the Romans? We read these verses sometimes. We, we fail to have their impact because we read them so often. Romans 3, verse 23, For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. That's a wake-up call. All of us have sinned, everyone, there's no exception. And therefore, we fall short of the glory of God. Because of sin, we're not going to share in God's glory. We're not even going to come into that glory. Because of sin, we're going to fall short of that glory. We're going to be excluded. We're left out. We're forbidden. why Paul went on to say in Romans 6 verse 23 for the wages of sin is death separation from God that's what sin pays that's the wage it earns but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord Paul wrote to the Ephesians and later wrote to Titus on the island of Crete reminding them of the separation from God that sin creates and how we are saved and brought near only by the blood of Christ 
When Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, he's writing to Christians who had been pagans. And he's reminding them of where they were without Jesus and the difference Jesus makes. He said in Ephesians 2 verse 12, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. You can say you believe in God all you want. If you don't have Christ, you don't have God. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. When Paul wrote to Titus on the island of Crete, whom he sent there to help select some elders and build up the church on that island, Paul reminded him in Titus 3, verse 3, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Do you hear what Paul is saying? Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, forbidden, have been brought near. He saved us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's why Jude said, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. See, one of the greatest deceptions ever crafted against humanity is the lie that everyone goes to heaven when they die. They don't. In fact, no one goes to heaven when they die unless Jesus Christ saves them. I'm quite sure my father is in hell today. I am quite sure my youngest brother, whom I loved, is in hell today. Not because they were bad people. They weren't bad people. They died without Jesus. The wages of sin is death. No exceptions. God isn't sending anyone to hell. He doesn't have to. We're all on our way there naturally because of sin. God has come to rescue us. Do you remember what John said in John 3, verse 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Look at this. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed 
in the name of God's one and only Son. We can't come joyfully into God's presence on our own. Without Jesus, you wouldn't want to come into his presence at all. If you came into God's presence with sin still in your life, heaven's the last place you'd ever want to be. God's holiness would absolutely consume you in a moment. Listen to the difference Jesus makes. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. So be it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Buddha can't get you there. Muhammad can't get you there. The Jesus of Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses, the Way International, the various cults, those false Jesuses can't get you there. Being good is not enough. Being religious is not enough. Getting baptized, being confirmed, taking communion, going to church, reading your Bible, teaching in Sunday school, giving in the offering, saying your prayers, none of those things can get you there. You can do all of those things and more and you'll still fall short. Even being Jesus' brother won't get you there. Only Jesus, who is God, Savior, and Lord, can get you there. And that's the difference Jesus makes. Muhammad Ali died this week, 74 years old. Born Cassius Clay in Louisville, Kentucky, to raise the Baptist. Many consider him to be the greatest boxer that ever lived three-time world heavyweight champion. First burst on the scene in 1960 when he won the gold medal in the Olympics for the United States. Really made a name for himself in 1964 when seven to one odds against him in fighting Sonny Liston, the current world champion. He took Liston out and claimed the title as world champion for the first time. Short time later, he denounced his Christian heritage and changed his name, joining the Nation of Islam. He became Muhammad Ali. Cassius Clay became Muhammad Ali. He went on a string of victories that made him a phenomenon in the boxing world. He lost his titles when he got stripped of them because he refused to go into the military. He had a lot of dark moments in his life. He also, near the end, in his battle with Parkinson's, became an ambassador, a world ambassador for good. Did a lot of good things. Did a lot of bad in the beginning. Did a lot of good later. He is remembered for, I am the greatest. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. 
The Rumble in the Jungle with George Foreman, or Thriller in Manila with Smoke and Joe Fraser, and a host of other very memorable events. Muhammad Ali is dead. He was once asked, what is your hope of eternal life and going to heaven? He said, I believe that in the end, God adds up all your deeds. If your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then you go to heaven. If your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds, then you don't. Muhammad Ali was wrong. You see, you can't get to heaven by your good deeds. And you aren't kept out because of your bad deeds. You're in or you're out based on whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the difference. You can have all the religion in the world. You can be an ambassador of goodwill. You can hold every title there is. You can be someone who others consider a saint. You could even be the brother of Jesus. But if you don't know him as God, Savior, and Lord, you'll never get in. We're here today at this table to remember the Jesus who makes the difference. The one who actually saves people who believe him. Who admit their sin, acknowledge his sufficient sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection, and invite Christ to come and live in their lives. Jesus said, this bread is my body. This cup is my blood. It's given for you. And therefore, as often as you eat it, I want you to remember me. The Jesus who is God, Lord, and Savior. The one who makes the difference. Father, I don't even know where to begin to thank you. This is so simple. My grandchildren are beginning to grab it. And yet it is so profound. It is beyond any human being to fully explain. So unless we are contemptuous atheists or we are belligerent agnostics or we are ignorant fools. I don't know why anyone would resist this good news of Jesus Christ. Father, for years I denied it in my own life because I was an ignorant fool. I thought I had it all figured out, but I knew nothing. I want to thank you for bursting through that ignorance and helping me to see the truth. And Lord, you've done that for all of us here today, many of us, even those who are listening to this live stream at this moment. You've done it for them too. But there are still many, many more whom you are calling to open their hearts to you. And so today, Lord, as we come to this table, 
There'll be those who need to receive you into their lives for the very first time. You're waiting to come. There are those who have asked you in, but they haven't been living for you, and they know it. And today you may have revealed some things that need to be confessed and made right. You're here to help with that too. And there are some who are with us today who simply want to say thank you. We want to learn to live for you more. And we're so grateful for what you've done. Wherever we are, God, may we in this moment honor you as we remember the one who makes the difference, Jesus. And we thank you in your name. Amen.